Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah, we should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Okay, yeah, hey, the ending. Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two heelsandaface.com Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. You think you know me. Uh. 
All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material brand. My name is Mike Freeland. I'm soon to be joined by my broadcast partner, Christopher Butt. A lot of things coming up on the show in our second segment. It is officially the second episode of Front Row Referee. Tonight, we're going to be talking to the refs about what's life like on the road, being away from the family, kids, birthdays, holidays, you name it. What is that like? How difficult is that? I'm sure we're going to get some great stories on that as well. All of that and so much more. Let's first welcome in brother from another mother he's from the north but you know what he's in our hearts always his name is christopher butt what's going on man oh this is it mike Uh, another tuesday night hanging out with you i'm going to talk to some referees in a little bit and life is good yeah everyone's gravy in this household i see you got back from your camping trip did all the children make it back alive Oh, yeah. Okay, so maybe we should go into that. Yes, I did get back from the uh, the camping trip. The theme was getting in touch with yourself in the wilderness. Um, and finding yourself in the wilderness, eh? Uh, d- definitely got lost a couple of times uh, out in the woods because we did some, uh, some late night hikes. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Never agree to do something and tell people that you are versed in some type of activity or some level of endurance or anything like that because you think you're going to make a good impression. I went and I tell you what, I got blown up just on the first hike. Hell, just walking from our uh, vans to the cabins themselves absolutely destroyed me. I got a question to ask you as well, and this doesn't have to do with camping. When did cars no longer have shifters on the ground or on the steering column? When did it all become this big button pushing event you don't have push button stir i don't have that no i was literally sitting in the van all the campers are in the well not all of the campers half the campers were in my van and uh the buses are are pulling out and they're going uh mr freeland are we uh gonna leave and i said yeah yeah and then one finally said do you know how to drive and i said i absolutely know how to drive been driving since 1996 maybe 95 and uh and he said well do you know how to start this and i said sure so i grabbed the keys and there's the, the key fob things and i'm used to this is this is the technology i'm used to hitting a button and then the like the metal part of the key pops up and then you stick it in and do it right that's like new age to me well, that doesn't exist. All you do is have the the fob, as they call it, and you have to have it in the car with you, and then you put your foot on the brake, and then you got to push the button to start the car. So that's fine. Got it. So I get the damn thing started, but then I have no way, shape, or form of knowing how to put this thing into reverse, how to put this thing into drive, and they said, do you see the the dial? Do I see the dial? Butster, there was no shifter. There was no clicking. There was nothing on the column. It was, it looked like a radio dial. Was it Ford? It was a Chrysler. Okay. My buddy has an F-150. He's got that. What the hell uh, is this shit? Fancy, but all high tech looking. I don't like it. NASA, there's, a, there's a TV got screen. It all taken over. There's a TV screen that shows the ass end. I don't know why I need to see that. When you're backing up, Michael. Dude, I've backed cars up for years now. I've yeah. never needed a TV screen to show me how to do that. Makes life easier. I use mine all the time. Now, you don't have push-button stuff, do you? I do. Push-button start. Yeah, my vehicle I have now has it. Uh, last one didn't, my, my Silverado. But the vehicle before that had push-start. Uh, Linda's has push-start. Uh, her vehicle before that was push-start. That's not that new, Mike. So when is this whole dial for reverse and drive and park, when did that all become a thing? That's a good question. That's probably been the last five years. Okay, so I'm not I think Dodge does it as well. I, I don't like do it. it on their, uh, 
Rams. Ram tough. But Ram then there's less stuff in the way. You just got to dial. Put your foot on the brake. Click it over to drive. Off you go. Bob's your uncle. Well, Bob. I'm not a Bob guy because I, I like old school. I like the shifter. I really do. I like to hang my little ball cap on the shifter. You know, when I come in, you know, put my ball cap on the shifter, put my little cup of coffee down. I, time is passing me by here rapidly. Just throw your hat on the dash. That's what I do. Yeah, I probably could do that. Get in, Everybody, throw the ball cap on the dash. Off you go. Everything went well on the camping trip. We went on some intense hikes. When I mean intense, um, seven, eight, nine miles, backpacks on our backs. Um, cooking out over a fire, all that stuff. It was great. Don't get me wrong. It got a wee bit nippy out there. And uh, I didn't pack any of the long johns. So I was out there and it was good. The kids had a lot of fun. And that's the most important thing, that they had a good time. Okay, so I have a couple questions. Yes. So your first hike, so you're in, you're in tent in it. You had cabins, right? We're in cabins, correct. Wood stove, electric heat. What kind of heat did you have? I'm trying to think. No, it was, it was electric. Yeah, that's rough in it. So, <laughs> what did you eat? Inquiring so, minds want to know. So, uh, so the the leader of the group, I was just an assistant, a humble assistant at that. Made like lunch meat sandwiches for everybody. Um, actually made a lasagna over a fire. It's pretty damn impressive. Let's see, burgers, uh, chili. Yeah, a lot of the basic things you would think you could make with a fire or putting something in a fire. But I got to make a dessert one night. S'mores don't count. I did make a s'mores lasagna, a s'moresagna. So I took one of those those metal throwaway pans, you know, that you use like during the holidays if people bring food. So I did a layer of graham crackers, then I did a layer of marshmallow, then I did a layer of chocolate, then I did a layer of graham crack, and I just kept going s'moresagna. Diabetes in it. In oh, I'm telling you, we were all Wilford Brimling it up at the end of it. We were having double vision, needing gallons of water. We were bad. bad. Hopefully you don't lose a foot. Yeah, we can help. It was nice. We got in touch with ourselves. Um, we openly spoke about our experiences out in the wilderness. Um, went on a lot of hikes. Went bird watching. Um, did you hunt anything? We did not. We did not. It was a school-oriented trip. Freeland, we're not we used to go hunting lunchtime in my high school. Well, that was a while ago. You're turning 50 this year, right? 45. 45. Keep it up, funny fucker. I'm just saying, uh, the shoe fits, my friend. Shoot, wait a minute, at lunchtime? Yeah, wow. So, what do you, what do, you do? Pack a PBJ and then grab your buddy Carl and say, Let's go pheasant hunting. No, you brought your shotgun to school with you. Wow, and you left lunchtime. Sometimes you came back, sometimes you didn't. You weren't a class cutter, were you? Not a lot, no. A little bit, yes. But no. I was a terrible student, but I always went to class. Well, let me ask you something. So it, it's funny that we talk about these things nowadays. Like, things were very much different um, when you were in school. I mean, obviously, and, and I joke about this, that you are in a different country, but you are. And so rules were were different than they were here in the States. So, like... When you go to school here in the States, I mean, obviously, you can't bring anything except for your books and, and whatnot. So in Canada, you're saying that during hunting season, you actually brought all your gear and just put it in your locker? I had my first shotgun when I was 12. I'm from the sticks. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like, I grew up hunting. Like, it was not a big deal. 
My high school had a gun club. Well, there you go. Things are different. Life was Things different. are different. We are getting old. As much as we do rag on each other, bro, we're not kids. We're, we're not we're anymore. Getting we're getting old. You, do you realize right now we are past halftime if this was a football game? If life is yep. a football game, we're past halftime. Yep. So. I probably got about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Oh, my God. Let's get on to some wrestling talk here. <laughs> Jeez, oh, Pete. This is such an uplifting. Man, I, you know what? This first topic is not going to lift the conversation anymore. Oh, either. I know where you're going. It's officially the 18th anniversary of Eddie Guerrero. It's passing, which happened November 13th. 2005 from heart failure during uh, due to an underlying heart condition. And I hope I say this right. Uh, Arthiocolitis cardiovascular disease. So this past Monday marked the 18th anniversary of his passing. A lot of wrestlers went to social media to talk about their stories and share some memories of Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Bully Ray says 18 years ago today, we lost a, uh, a ring warrior. What a great what a great guy. And uh, he put Eddie on his, his ring wrist tape. Mark Marrow, also known as Johnny B. Bad in WCW, said, Remembering the great Eddie Guerrero, who passed away on this day in 2005, one of the greatest forever missed, uh, 10-9-67-11-13-05. One of my favorite matches was Eddie Guerrero versus Johnny B. Bad. Uh, Dave Penzer, friend of mine. Hard to believe it's been 18 years since Eddie Guerrero passed. Had the honor of sharing many road trips with him. Fantastic guy, fantastic heart, even a better wrestler. One of the best of all time. Thank for some great memories and great action. I was honored to sit ringside for them. Who else do we have here? So there's a lot of shout outs to, to Eddie Gurr. Mikey Whipwreck also went ahead, a good friend of both of ours, and posted a picture of he and Eddie together um, smiling in an embrace, which is really cool. Crowbar writes, RIP Eddie gave me the honor of the best wrestling match of my entire career at the historic Queens Elks Lodge. On this evening, my wife was in the corner and he had a few spots with Eddie as well. We speak of it often and how honored and privileged it was for both of us. Always grateful. Uh, the Bollywood Boys, 18 years, RIP Eddie Guerrero. Let me ask you this, Butster. I mean, you know, we've been wrestling fans. My, my first wrestling experience was in 1986, so that really starts to date me here. And every year that goes by, that, that day gets further and further away. Um, you were right around WrestleMania 3 as well, WrestleMania 3, WrestleMania 4. It's hard when, as a wrestling fan, the further you go down your life, I mean, you know life is, you're going to lose people. But man, we have lost so many people, especially during the 80s and 90s with the steroids and whatnot. It just caught up with people and their health. And, you know, Scott Hall had been known for telling stories about, man, when you're on the road, it's a very difficult thing. You're on this this super high. You feel great, right? You work maybe 10, 15 minutes, and that might even be considered a lot. You have the crowd on your side, all that. You walk backstage, the adrenaline drops off, the pain sets in. You can't go to bed, so you take something to, to put you to sleep. You wake up, you're in pain, you take pain pills. You take something to up you, to, to perk you up. You hit the gym, you eat something, you go to the show, wash, rinse, and repeat. And I don't necessarily think these this talent did these prescription medications or abuse them on purpose. It was just a part of life. Now, some recreational things some wrestlers may use. Yeah, maybe that's a little different, but um, the life of a wrestler, you know, is really difficult because 
only this much of it. And John Moxley recently did an interview. He said only this much out of the whole thing. And I'm using, I'm putting my fingers real close to each other is the actual wrestling part. And the rest of it is the travel, the politics, the hotels, the gym, all that kind of stuff. And, um, it's not an easy life. You got a favorite Eddie Guerrero moment that you remember um, while you were watching? Eddie and JBL is the first match that oh pops my into gosh. my head, obviously due to it was a bloodbath. Yes. Uh, that's a, literally the first thing. And, of course, there was the the him coming in with the low rider with China. Yes. Lie, cheat, steal, Eddie Guerrero. Dominic being Dominic's daddy. Ray, or, um, Ray Mysterio angle. Those are about the ones that pop into my head most. But yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is Eddie and JBL. I mean, yeah, that, that match was, was vicious. It like, was vicious. It absolutely God. was. Eddie Guerrero is is also very well known for the whole, I'm going to cheat, but I'm going to make it look like you did it and not me. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the comedic spot, in, which I thought was tremendous as well. Um, so the Sportster, which is a website that I like to uh, to use a lot, ranks the 10 best Eddie Guerrero matches of all time. So we're going to start off with number 10, Eddie Guerrero versus John Cena. It was a parking lot match, parking lot brawl. It was on SmackDown on September 11th, 2003. I do remember this one. This one was a little uh, intense, uh, to say the least. If you're an AEW fan, you know that AEW has done a couple of these parking lot matches. And obviously they did some in WCW as well, so this is not like a new concept. But this match in itself, I remember, man, that was intense. Like on the hoods of cars, on the windshields. It was, it was, do you remember seeing this one? I don't, I'm I'm trying to remember it now as you're talking, man. Unfortunately, I don't, I'm going to. I have to fire up the, the network and see what I can find. So the rivalry in 2003 began with Eddie Guerrero and John Cena. They helped each other out in their careers tremendously. Cena had one of his first major storylines when he was becoming a lot more relevant, and he had it with Eddie Guerrero. And Eddie was basically the guy who was trying to get John over. Uh, both men would get very violent in the parking lot brawl. It was for the United States Championship. Uh, wrestlers from the back also came out in the parking lot to watch as well as Guerrero and Cena beat the hell out of each other using all different kinds of weapons. Eddie won the match by hitting a frog splash on Cena on the hood of the car. So if you haven't seen that, go back and check that out. Eddie Guerrero, John Cena parking lot match, uh, September 11th on SmackDown. So good match, good match all around. Ranking in at number nine of the best Eddie Guerrero matches, according to Sportster, Eddie Guerrero versus Batista which happened at New Mercy 2005. Now, Eddie Guerrero's last storyline in WWE featured him working with Batista. Now, the heel character of Guerrero featured him trying to manipulate faces with his lying, his cheating, and his stealing to get the advantage. Now, Batista was always aware of Eddie's antics, leading to pretty some funny moments and segments with the both of them on SmackDown. Well, this was the main event for No Mercy of 2005. Uh, it entertained audience with Batista retaining the title in a great match. Guerrero also showcased a sign of a face turn, uh, but we'll never really know because that was his last angle before he had passed away. Clocking in at number eight, Eddie Guerrero versus Rob Van Dam. It was a ladder match that happened on Monday Night Raw back in 2000. 
2002. The latter match between Eddie Guerrero and Rob Van Dam took place in the main event during a May 27th, 2002 edition of Raw. Now, both wrestlers were rising stars recently coming into the WWE. WWE had a lot of big names at that time, and they were looking a moment to shine with them. Guerrero and Rob Van Dam faced off in a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. They utilized the ladder in many different ways. Both guys were very graceful with their high flying moves, but also there were some pretty violent spots in this match as well. Uh, Eddie also was uh, attacking a fan who tried to enter the ring, and RVD ended up coming out as the winner in the match. So some things that happened that you never would have thought of. Can I? I don't mean to interrupt here, but just something popped in my head. Yeah. Fan jumps in the ring. Should you be allowed to give him a lick? Like I'm talking clenched fist, four knuckles right over the eyebrow. I don't see why and, not. And not get arrested. That I don't see why not. And, and, and we're going to ask the refs that tonight. Let's put that on our, our, our list yeah. of questions. Because I think you should be allowed to dummy him. Like if you're, if you're that stupid to jump into the ring, yes, you should be able to slap piss out of him. I don't have a problem with that. Because I think I think on the ticket it's um and I don't know if this says it anymore. It used to say it on tickets, like you know, coming in at your own risk or something to that derivation. But I think if you jump that guardrail, I don't know if you if it's if you just jump the guardrail or you have to actually get in the ring before they can literally uh beat the snot out of you. I don't know what it is. We'll have to ask the refs about that. But um I mean, how do you know what their intentions are? You don't know. You don't know if they got a weapon on them. So at that point in time, I think it's all fair. I agree. Clocking at number seven, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, 2005 SummerSlam ladder match again. Another impressive ladder match had Eddie Guerrero in a storyline with the ultimate prize hanging above the ring. WWE ran into a controversial storyline with Eddie Guerrero turning heel by claiming that he was the birth father of Ray's son, Dominic, and that he actually wanted custody. Well, as it is in pro wrestling, we don't go to court to determine who the real father is going to be. No, we don't need legal papers to determine custody of a small child. No, what do we do? We have a match over it. Now, the rights for Dominic's custody would be Settled in a ladder match, despite the absolutely ludicrous logic behind the match, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio delivered one of the most classic matches in SummerSlam history. Fans were captivated by the all-inspiring moves and all the emotion that played. Rey ended up coming out on top. Going a little bit more into my uh, time frame, Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar versus El Ingo Del Santo and Octagon. This was when Worlds Collide in 1994. Not sure if you're super familiar with this, but WCW did an event. It was called When Worlds Collide. Now, it was a combo of WCW and AAA, which is down in Mexico as well. It was a pretty big event, uh, especially for WCW at the time. Uh, are you any memories of When Worlds Collide, uh, Butster? No. Um, I Realistically, I only know two of those people, Eddie, obviously, and Burr. And that's how that we could do half a half a podcast on his story alone. It's Absolutely. rather interesting. Uh, I don't know the other guys at all. Triple A has a long lineage of wrestlers. Now, one thing I will tell you is, and, and we found this out on an interview, that a lot of people end up being the name of a of a prior big deal wrestler. What ends up happening is they end up going to the family 
and paying a sum of money to say if they could be the son of or the nephew of so that that lineage can continue so that wrestler can actually end up using that name. That's one thing that they actually end up doing um, in in wrestling down in Mexico. Well, Guerrero was the star of this match. He shined a lot. He had great chemistry, not only with his tag team partner, Art Barr, but also with the AAA stars as well. Um, interestingly enough, it actually ended up getting him more bigger standout matches in WCW after he had this. Uh, Eddie Guerrero also appeared in ECW after he signed his contract with WCW because he had prior commitments. And that's obviously where he crossed paths with Mikey Whipwreck, which was pretty cool. Do you know the story of how Eddie ended up uh, using the Frog Splash? No. So Eddie and Art Barr were really, really good friends, not only great tag team partners, but when Art Barr ended up passing away, uh, Eddie's tribute to Art to end every single match was, that was Art's finisher, was the Frog Splash. That was not Eddie's originally. It was Eddie's way of showing respect to Art Barr, and uh, and that's how that came about. Good pretty way cool. to pay homage to somebody he traveled a fair bit, beaten the roads with, and, and had a pretty tight relationship. Coming in at number five, Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle, WrestleMania 20 from Madison Square Garden. The techno wrestling showcase for the WWE Championship between Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle, well, it's shined at WrestleMania 20. Guerrero having his first major title defense against a now heel Kurt Angle in Madison Square Garden. The match had a perfect combination of beautiful, fluid poetry in motion and a great storyline. Guerrero used his cheating tactics to fool Angle when untying his boots leading to the ankle lock not being as effective as it normally was. He was able to wiggle his foot out of the ankle lock, and the counter would see Eddie get a small package for the pin and the victory. It was considered one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. Um, I also do remember that one. I thought that was very clever. Eddie had this way of doing very subtle things that actually really enhanced his matches. And that's something that you don't typically see nowadays. You don't see that level of creativeness when it comes to these things. Um, do you think in some ways we don't really appreciate somebody until they're gone and we rewatch their matches to be like, wow, that was really good. You totally stole my thunder on that, Mike. Uh, that's one of the points I wanted to bring up as you were talking about that match. Yeah, absolutely, because I mean, you get your, your subtle little, little nuances. You're nothing too flashy, but just your little things that even though very small have a larger effect on the match obviously not really but you get where i'm going with this it's it's fantastic because everything doesn't need to be big and flash and spot fest and a big pop just your little tiny things totally totally were my wife just brought me a little cooler full of beer for tonight Oh my God! What a could great be a good woman. show tonight, boys. What a oh. great woman! Oh, look out! Maybe she just wants me to leave her alone. I don't know, but nonetheless, you know, it's your, when you get your little nuance, your your little things like that. They're very subtle. They're not something huge. It's not like a big move, a table spot, a chair spot, but it has such a big effect on the match. That's fantastic. And it's a lost art because I don't know if he did it in the match, but as you're describing it, and I remember the match so much, I can just envision Eddie with a big shit-eating grin on his face while he's doing it, knowing, yeah, I'm being an 
asshole right now. Yep. I got you. Not, I, I'm not speaking ill of, of a gentleman that's passed. Please don't take it as that. But you, you know what I mean? Like, you oh, just yeah. got that, that uh, um, what's the word? Mischievous look, that yes. devilish look. Like, yep, I'm going to pull one over. And it's just something so little and it's beautiful. That's the stuff you, to me, that will almost draw me in bigger than if it's like a big spot. Agreed. Big spots have their place. But that's something that needs to be in a special occasion type of thing. First, if you get like something small, like I'm doing your boot, and that gets you over, that's beautiful. That's mint right there. Yeah. Could not have said it better. Uh, clocking at number four, Eddie Guerrero versus Edge in a no DQ match. This happened back in 2002. I mean, Edge is it's 2023, and he is in AEW now, to the surprise of, of many people. What happened in this match to make it one of the best? Well, SmackDown became one of the most exciting shows in the late 90s, early 2000s, especially when the WWE decided to do a brand split of Raw and SmackDown. Both Eddie Guerrero and Edge ended up getting a chance to be on SmackDown together and showcase their skills. Now, these two rising superstars had a personal rivalry that culminated in a no-DQ match that happened on SmackDown in 2002. Guerrero delivered a classic match that was shocking to see on free television, mainly because many people thought this should have been highlighted on the upcoming pay-per-view. Things went great. Eddie's heel turn worked as he was putting Edge over here. However, fans respected Guerrero after the performance was enough to give him a standing ovation, even in a loss. Edge is one of those guys where, in my opinion, um, gosh, he's so passionate and, and he's such a professional. And you've never heard anyone say a bad word about Edge. You've never heard anybody say, you know, Edge is politicking or that's the kind of person he is. And you never really heard that from Eddie. I think the only time Eddie was truly frustrated, and I completely agree with him on this one, was when he and Dean Malenko and Raven – um, and Chris Benoit, they were all overlooked. And it was always the Hogans, the Savages, the Sids, you know, all of these other really big names, the Kevin Nashes, the Scott Halls, and the list goes on and on. Guys from the WWF who had already had their big money run. And these guys really hadn't had it yet. And they decided that, you know what? I'm getting a little sick of this. This is this is getting old after a while. And they took their talents to the WWE and they all had really, really successful runs with the company. Um, it's a damn shame that WCW did not utilize Eddie Guerrero better than what they did, but I'm happy for him that he ended up having some of these amazing matches in WWE. And specifically with Edge, they would go on to have many, many other matches, but just two guys who leave it all in the ring, who you know have no ego when it comes to this. It's all about the art form itself. Uh, any memories of this match? I don't remember this match in particular, unfortunately. Uh, I, I'm I'm not the uh, the um, historian. His death, thank you, Michael. I'm not the historian that you are. You can remember stuff vividly from God only knows where. Unfortunately, I can't do that. But the fact it there's no way you couldn't have Edge and Eddie in a match and for it to be crappy. Right. I just don't think that's even possible. I would agree. Right? Because both, you know, with with their love and their passion for sports entertainment, wrestling, whatever you want to call it, is crazy. I mean, Edge is still doing it now. And I think Eddie would probably still be doing it now. 
I agree. If I he were, he if he were still around. Yes. Right. Both amazing talents in the ring. Both well-respected. Uh, your fact that you don't think anybody would say anything bad about Edge, pretty sure Matt Hardy might not like him too much. But outside of uh, that, I'm pretty sure most people seem to <laughs> think he's a half-decent guy. Uh, Matt might have an issue there. Just going to throw that out. Good point, touche. Maybe they sorted that issue out. I don't know. I would never sort that issue out. But no, two of them in a, in a match, that that would be a program. Once again, today, the way wrestling is, if you could put two of them in a program now, you, you tune in. Even somebody like you who despises WWE would watch it. Don't roll your eyes at me and don't smirk because you know I'm telling the truth. I definitely would. I would I would do it for the sake of that. There's certain people I have a tremendous amount of respect for in the industry, and, and I agree with that 100%. Um, we're going to go down the ECW road, the original ECW. Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko, uh, ECW Hostile City Showdown. Uh, this was during the tape trading days for people who might not be familiar with that. Uh, a lot of people would end up taping ECW where they could. So I'm in Cincinnati. The closest city to us is considered Dayton to the north of us. And they had a small channel, small television station that would run ECW, but it was super, super late at night. So you would have to, um, this was before you could even program VCRs. You would have to go to bed, wake up at a certain time, one in the morning, two in the morning, whatever it was, put in your ECW tape, hit play record at the same time, uh, and then sneak back off to bed because uh, you probably weren't supposed to be up that late. But ECW had a great, great uh, feel to it. It was more raw. It was more gritty. It felt like people were legitimately in a fight. Well, the ECW run for Eddie Guerrero is often forgotten, but the reason why is because it was quite short. Paul Heyman saw talent in Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, which both led them to coming into the company, again, for just a short amount of time. Guerrero and Malenko had one of their best matches at the Hostile City Showdown in a half-hour Matt Classic. Now, ECW fans would sometimes get criticized because the product was considered too violent, too gory, too bloody, and maybe too sexual at times. But you know what? These guys would go out and they would put on a technical showdown. Both men went at it toe-to-toe for a 30-minute timelet draw, and it got a standing ovation. WCW decided to steal Guerrero away, along with Eddie Guerrero afterwards, by throwing big money at them. I love, like I said, I loved ECW. The original ECW really was cutting edge, in my opinion. It was the Attitude Era before the Attitude Era. But the beauty of ECW was what Paul Heyman did was he brought in stars from Mexico who they had the Lucha Libres, uh, like the Psychosis, like the Super Crazy, um, like uh, the Rey Mysterio themselves. There were so many different ones. But then he also had some really good grapplers as well. And then he had obviously your your list of characters and then your surprise people who showed up. And it was just like they say, when you book a wrestling card, you want to have a little bit of everything for for all different sections and genres of fans. And that's one thing Paul Heyman did, did very well. Uh, coming at number two, Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar, No Way Out 2004. Uh, Not many fans expected Eddie Guerrero to win the WWE Championship, especially when he joined the company early in 2002. Well, Guerrero was a mid-card guy. He was regulated to the cruiserweight division, but they decided they were going to give him a push. However, the spot got for Eddie Guerrero made him a main eventer. 
he ended up pulling off one of the best matches against Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship, and he was considered the greatest underdog story by defeating the Beast Incarnate and getting his very first championship. Uh, what a match, I can tell you this for a fact. At the time, Brock Lesnar was just a machine, and, and to think that he could be beat literally by anyone um, was, was not even believable. But the fact that Eddie Guerrero came in there and he sold his ass off, but then you started to get that fiery Latino heat going, and um, at that point, I don't think Brock knew really what to do, and, and Eddie ends up pulling it off and becoming champion, and it was tremendous. Do you remember this pay-per-view? Yes, I do. I actually do remember this. Uh, once again, not great, but I do remember it. I don't remember anything great, Mike. I barely remember what I had for dinner two and a half hours ago. It was manwiches, just for the record. Manwiches, good. Well, yeah, but my manwich was different. It was venison and elk. Oh, okay. Gotcha. A true manwich. Yeah, you had the Canadian version of manwich. I don't know why I did that in a French accent. I have no idea. I'm, I'm not French. Linda is, but I'm not. But no, I, I, I do remember this match for sure. It was, I don't want to say Eddie's coming out party, because I, I think that might do him a, a distrust, disjustice. Did I say that right? I don't know if I said that right or not. A disservice? So, disservice. Yeah, there you go. You're so much smarter than me. That's why you're a teacher and I'm not. Now, the a reason disservice. why I know these words is I watch Dawson's Creek. They use a lot of high vocab. I'm sorry to hear that. But but nonetheless, no, I, I don't want to say it's a, it was his coming out party, but he became the, well, he became champion. Uh, I don't know how else, but he became the top of the heap. He was finally maybe uh, recognized for what he truly was at that point, especially when you consider look who he went over. Brock was the man. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to put somebody over Brock, you see something in whoever it would be, Eddie, in this situation, especially considering WWE's love of big men. Brock is a big man. He is. You no, know, a legit shooter. You no, know, Eddie wasn't, I mean, he wasn't a small man, but he wasn't Brock. He wasn't 6'5", right. 290. Right? So... And that was also a bit of a, a changing of the times. It was wasn't so much all about the big giant dude, but the big giant was still very relevant. Yes, still relevant WWE, right? So, so for Eddie to go over Brock, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. It was you. It was, it was bigger than big. It was huge, and it was he was finally getting his recognition for taking care of some demons and being great in the ring. And um, comeback story, maybe type of thing. I'd agree. You know? And hey, look, he got things going well. Got himself sorted out, and he's putting off amazing matches. Like you said, never was used great in WC or WCW. Sorry, no. And here he is. He's made it. He's getting his recognition. He's getting his moment in the sun. He comes from a long line of great wrestlers, the Guerreros. Mm -hmm. And everyone just, it was his, not just his, it was everybody's feel-good moment watching it. When you see somebody like him win the title. Well, you also got to take in consideration. I mean, if you're not 
manufactured, if you're not a product of the WWE machine, right? And then we see somebody actually rise to the very top of the top of the food chain. I mean, that's a big thing because normally that did not happen leading up into that point. Um, Vince McMahon, you know, many producers and, and people backstage would often say if it didn't happen within the WWE bubble, Vince didn't even recognize it even happening at all, period. So it was one of those things where it was like somebody from an outside group, especially WCW, who they had gone to war with for so long and, you know, finally taking a WCW guy and putting him over a WWE guy. You know, not just for a title, but the title, I think, was a really big deal. And I think Eddie really showed his true colors. Um, and he definitely deserved that. The number one Eddie Guerrero match. I'm going to ask you this one really quickly uh, as we are running low on time here. What do you think it was? Gotta be JBL. Has to be. That's your final vote? I have me second guessing myself. Well, I do have you second guessing yourself. No, I'm going JBL. All right. And that's it. It would not be JBL. It would be Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, Halloween Havoc, 1997. Let's go back down in the Wayback Machine. WCW would see talented cruiserweights all over the place come in from different parts of the world. And Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero just happened to be two of them. Guerrero and Mysterio wanted to prove something, that they were more than just mid-card guys competing for a cruiserweight championship. Now, Mysterio's mask was on the line as Eddie Guerrero challenged for the cruiserweight championship championship versus mask something that is very very common uh in lucha libre wrestling the match was considered flawless by many wrestling experts and historians the men were dazzling audiences with some of the most unbelievable technical moves and it was what they would call poetry in motion mysterio scored the win to keep his mask and the title and they received massive pops not only for the crowd but from the other talent backstage as well it is still considered this day to be one of the best matches in halloween havoc history better than the cage match where abby ended up in the electric chair oh god or the coal miner earth glove on a pole that was how many okay in a wrestling match right (laughs) i got him down I could beat him if I only had a coal miner's glove. Like, I mean, really? Who sang that song, uh, Coal Miner's Daughter? Dolly? No. Loretta Lynn? Was it Loretta Lynn? Coal Miner's Daughter? Hold on. I'm going to pull this up. I'm going to goggle it. Um, I don't know why I want to say Patty Clancy, but that's that's not correct. Patty Patty Clancy? Did you say Patty Clancy? Yeah, am I wrong? Pat, Pat, Patsy Klein? Patsy Klein, maybe. Patsy Klein. Who is it, Patsy Klein? Oh, I don't know. I'm working on it. Coal Miner's Daughter was actually a movie from 1980, but I thought it was a song, too. It was. Hold on. Whoa. Loretta did, Lynn. Loretta, I said that. You did say that. Touche. More than just another pretty face. You're very hey. attractive tonight. <laughs> Thank God I mean that. that in a completely platonic way. I did a good job with the lighting in this room. You did. I'm proud of you. All right, guys. It's time to switch gears, and let's go to the reason why everyone showed up. It ain't us. It's the referees. It's front row referee. Tonight's topic is what's life like on the road? What's it like missing birthdays, holidays, and all those things in between, those moments that you never can get back? Butster, how many times have we heard wrestlers say, you know what? Um my wife went into labor and I got a phone call, but then I had to go wrestle my match or I was on the road and I got a message from, you know, the guys backstage that 
my child had been born or, or, or whatever it may be. Um, back in Memphis, uh, we learned that Christmas Day was actually a really big time for wrestling. I mean, after people opened up their gifts, uh, Cornette and, and many other people said that was big business for them. So and it's also, interestingly enough, a big day for movie theaters. Uh, believe it or not, people aren't just sitting around in their jammies, just playing with their toys. After they do that, you can only do that for so long. Then it's time to keep going. So when anyway. did I go on the 24th? You're not going to go on Christmas Day? No. We go to a movie theater on the 24th. You know, if I could if I could go anywhere on Christmas Day for a meal, I think I might want to go to like a Rack's. God, I miss their roast beef. What's or that? A, Sh- a Shoney's. Oh, your yours would probably be called uh uh elk uh fill in the blank or moose or something like that. We have things called roast beef here in the United States. It's kind of a spin-off of Arby's. We have beef here too, knucklehead. Okay, if you say so. All right, let's go ahead and let's bring on the referees before we get into a fisticuffs ourselves. Why do I bring do in... this to myself every fucking week? Well, it's your choice, my friend. You're getting paid the big bucks to do this show. You know that? You have to wonder my wife brought me a cooler of beer. Let's go ahead and let's talk to him. ECW, legendary referee in the industry. Also uh, does seminars, trains people, does all these things. Been there, done that, seen it. Let's welcome in Jim Molyneux. How you doing, Jim? Good, guys. How are you? Can you hear me this we week? Are, we are good. Yeah, we, we, we are ready for deep diving into the world of, of referees. Let's also bring in uh, Nick Papa G. What's going on, my friend? What's up, guys? How are you? I see technology was a was a... What's good to Jim this week? Yeah, I, I, went, I went right to the iPad. <laughs> this is perfect. I mean, it, you're coming in crystal clear. Um, so, uh, ever since uh, episode one, have you gotten any feedback from anybody? Just from each other. Yeah, it's about <laughs> so far. Better than nothing. It's true. It's true. So, I, I guess the first thing, you know, when I, we all kind of had our, our little that's the extent of our pre-production by the way gentlemen so just letting you know ahead of time it's just a little message saying hey this is what this is roll with however you choose to go into it i guess we'll kind of start off kind of broadly like in wrestling you, you got to go where you're booked and, and sometimes if big shows come along um what's that like for home life when you say honey or significant other or whatever hey i i just got booked uh, I gotta go. We'll start off with Jim. Jim, what's that like when you have to say, you know what? Work calls. Uh, it, it's a very dangerous moment, <laughs> especially in my house. Uh, my wife absolutely hates the business, hates everything to do about it. Um, probably hates the three of you. Uh, not even heard of you or met you. She hates you all. She hates me. <laughs> Um, if, wow. if, you, if you know the scene from uh, a series of scenes from Young Frankenstein when they say Frau Bloker, um, there, there's a certain um, former owner of East owner and, and person who, who ran ECW for quite a while because I can't even mention his name. Uh, if that name is mentioned, my wife will come running from any part of the house saying, What are you saying about that person? Well, you know, what do you uh-huh. mean? Is he on TV? Get him off my TV. Wow. <laughs> I kid you not. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it, it, it wasn't tough then because that was my job. That, that was all I did. 
So, I mean, I, I promoted for ECW um, Tuesday to, to Thursday or Friday, whatever, whatever the schedule panned out to be, and then would catch up to the, the shows um, Friday and Saturday or, or Sunday if it was a pay-per-view and come home for a day and a half. Um, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't fun, but that was, you know, that was how I made my, my living and kept the roof over our heads. When it comes to stuff like that, I mean, I can imagine how you're, you're on call, right? Let, let's say you're not booked for something, but then all of a sudden, Nick, you get a phone call and, and now you're booked. Uh, what do you do if you had prior made plans? This booking was on a big show. It, it it's a real great opportunity. How do you weigh the pros and cons with do you take a booking or do you say, you know what, I appreciate it. I got a pass, I'm doing X, Y, and Z? I, I usually like, you know, nowadays I'm like, I give prom uh, promoters, I'm like, hey, you know, here's, you know, I actually just had a promotion and they finally got a, got to book me after the fourth time of trying. I gave them the, I gave them the heads up. I'm like, hey, and if you actually want to book me or something like that, you know, give me your dates three months out. Because I I do my bookings basically quarterly, you know, and I'll I'll put them on the calendar so my wife can see them stuff like that. So you know, you know, it sucks that we re, you know arrange it you know out of that you know, with everything, but uh, it, you know, it's just what Jim said. You know, tread lightly with everything, you know, so to speak. You know, that's but yeah, it's it it's, it sucks, but you know, it's part you know part of the business. I mean, if you want to make it in this business one way or the other, you know, you got to sacrifice some stuff. You know, you know, me and my wife actually, you know, broke up at one point. You know, obviously before we were married back in this like ten years ago, ten, twelve years ago. You know, we broke up for a couple months and you know, stuff like that because I took I worked a Monday through Friday job, you know, and then I, you know, did wrestling from like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, various promotions all over the place. You know, it and we barely saw each other and months she just broke up with me, which is totally understandable. I, I mock her to this day about it all the time, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, just a, a random question. So so this is out of my pure childish curiosity, so forgive me. The wife's birthday's coming up Saturday. Oh, yeah. I want the good stuff here. <laughs> and you're going out somewhere nice, and you get a call. Hey, we're going we're gonna to book you. We'd like to book you for such and such an event. And, like, good money. Well, I think it's good money. Five Gs. Are you willing to have your wife chew with a gym sock and a tin of soup in it? To do this booking or not? <laughs> Jim, Jim, feel free to go first on this one. Well, first of all, if somebody was willing to book me for five grand. <laughs> That's where I'm getting at. <laughs> Shit, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> um, she would get a good percentage of it. And so Shit. I would get hit with that sock with the suit. Fair, yeah, fair no, enough. If, there, totally. No, I, she's come to the point where she understands that if if the money's good enough, obviously yes. But um, I'll turn things. You know, now I'm at the point where I can turn things down and just say uh, family that week. Um, if it's if like if, example, like you mentioned, birthday. If, if if it's her birthday and it's during the her birthday's during the week, and I take a weekend booking, we'll go out the weekend. You know, before or after, whichever whichever works we usually don't go out during the week uh for for birthday celebrations uh so you know it's it's, it's you know you gotta you gotta feel them out each each situation's different you know the the good the good part about it is you know my wife's birthday is six days before mine so we actually can celebrate 
our birthdays simultaneously, thank God. But I purposely block off weekends, you know, just just around that. And I'm like, if I know if I have something, I'll just block it off completely. You know, I'm like, I got no bookings this weekend. I think one thing that is a big deal is really there's no match without the ref. I mean, you got to have three people to do the dance. I'm sure people have called off sick last minute or maybe somebody showed up to the building. They say they can go, yet they're living in a toilet. Um, either way, it's a situation where let's say you're not doing anything and you're at home and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, you know what? The show started, but you know, we would need you for 20 minutes from now. And it's not that far from your house. Is it worth going ahead and, and jumping in the car and doing something? If you're not doing anything at the house, has a situation like that ever happened to either one of you guys where it's like, Holy crap, like you guys are right in the middle of a show. And, and you get a phone call. We'll start off with Nick on this one. Has that ever happened? Uh, not really at all. I'm like, I've actually had people, actually, this happened recently, too, on there. I've actually had a couple um, uh, H2O uh, students uh, actually hit me up. They're like, hey, you know, we you know, we want you to, you know, you know, come by this show on there. Because it was, oh, quote, unquote, it was basically a shit show. It was just a total, total spot show. It was like, oh, you can't miss this stuff. I'm like... And it wasn't streaming anywhere too, because I'm like, I don't really think anybody would want to stream it anywhere anyway, you know, you know, because it was it was just that terrible. But it, like, it was a good terrible. It was like it was basically almost like Botsamania worthy, you know, the whole show. It was just absolutely <laughs> terrible. How do you really feel? On there. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> hey, I wasn't cursing, so I'm actually that's a good thing. <laughs> Jim, any any stories about you know you're li- you're you're not that far away, buddy? Come on, hey, have you ever gotten any of those? Yeah. Last second calls where <laughs> nothing is booked, but you're sitting thinking to yourself, well, shit, I'm enjoying myself. This is a nice evening. I don't have to, you know, wipe up blood or anything like that or <laughs> yeah. potentially slip on thumbtacks. I'm taking the night off, but then the phone rings. Yeah, I actually have two situations where that happened. This this first one happened right after ECW had shut down. Um, I don't know if Nick remembers this show or not, um, but there was an outdoor show in Atlantic City. Uh, at the the baseball stadium in Atlantic City, and the promoter oh, and, and I talked to the promoter. I think I do. <laughs> I think I, I do. And I talked to the promoter before, and he was and and never got any kind of confirmation. And Steve DeAngelis, the ring announcer, called me that afternoon and said, "Hey, where are you?" And I said, well, "I'm sitting here watching TV." He said, "Well, why aren't you at the show?" And I said, "Well, I wasn't booked." You know, no, you're booked. Come on down. So I mean, I packed a bag, went down to Atlantic City. It's 40 minutes from my house um you know and then like i said the show hadn't gone hadn't started yet um but i went down did the show and <laughs> midway through the show the promoter disappeared and nobody got paid and there were big names on this show the road warriors were there jim duggan um uh, a lot of the the ecw guys were there sabu was there the pitbulls public enemy um and this guy he completely disappeared so i, I went you know, rushed down there for nothing. Um, but it, it recently just happened where I got a call from one of my uh, former referee students, uh, Adam Gall. And uh, he was in Philly um, for MLW and they were looking for a referee. And um, I said, I'm, I'm in the car on my way to ECWA. I, I can't do it. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I already you know, said I would be there and I'm, on, you know, I, I'm just leaving now. And they said, OK, we understand. And <laughs> as soon as I hung up, John Finnegan was in the car with me and his phone rang. <laughs> and it was it was Mike Keener calling him saying, hey, can you come to MLW? Tonight? 
Wow. It's the sad part, but that was actually, it was the same show. There was actually a referee on that show that got canceled uh, from the, uh, the speaking out movement uh, yeah. on there. It's, that's, I was actually at a shop right with me and my wife. It was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon that Saturday yes, yes. on there. Yep. I got the same phone calls. I'm like, ah, it's like, guys, I'm like, I can't. I'm, I'm like, I'm in the middle of food shopping right now. I'm like, you know, Philly's only 30 minutes away from me, but I'm like, I'm kind of strapped right now. I'm sorry. I want to get back to the Atlantic City show. Did they ever find that promoter? <laughs> no. Because I'm no, willing he, to guess he's not alive anymore. They, um, they were, um, Hawk and Animal ran the locker room for the guy, and Hawk went looking for him. I mean, uh, and, and took a couple of the guys, and they hit every casino there was trying to find this guy, thinking maybe he was out trying to make the money <laughs> that he owed everybody. I but, couldn't uh, imagine him come looking for me. That, I, I, the <laughs> thought of that is terrifying. Right, right. You're you're sitting at you're sitting at a table playing poker, and and you, somebody sneaks up behind you, goes, "Well." <laughs> and it's over oh Done. my god i mean could you imagine your phone going off and all of a sudden hey man where are you at why <laughs> well the road warriors are looking for it. that would literally i think i would lose 50 pounds in defecation and, and the funny thing is the the guy actually i i think there was a fair fairly decent crowd there they had the show filmed from what i understand the people who owned the stadium at the time grabbed all the the tapes um because i'd be willing to pay for them to to have it have had it put out uh it was a it was a good show like, you know doug um not, it was i think it was doug and against um kamala um steve williams against um at, at the time he was jimmy snooker jr um like i said the you know public enemy the pitbulls um, um dave taylor against uh buff bagwell you know, wow. so I mean, there was a, a huge amount of talent on it, and and every match went went well, uh, as far as I can remember. And um, like I said, the guy just disappeared, and and it's a shame because, like I said, they they took the tapes and they never, you know, tried to sell them or anything. I don't know. They burned them on on the the pitcher's mound <laughs> at the beginning of the next season or what? <laughs> Holy cow! That promoters hanging out with Jimmy Hoffa. Oh man! All right, so this this kind of leads me to this question here, um, Nick. I mean, I know Jim has seen these these moments before, but ever been stiffed by uh, by a payday at the end of the night, and all of a sudden, you know, you you say to yourself, "What the hell just happened?" Has that ever happened? Or maybe, obviously, we protect the names of the innocent. Uh, an agreement of an amount, and it was not ended up being paid out. Has a situation ever like that happened? You're always going to get the amount that you agree on. I'm like, you know, the promoter is going to agree on an amount like three months ago. Okay. And then like, you know, we get to the show and I'm like, oh, you know, hey, I'm sure 10 bucks. I'm sure 20 bucks. You know, for a first first time offender, I'll let like 10 bucks slide. You know, I don't I don't that's not going to kill me or anything like that. You know, if it keeps on going on and on. I'm like, I just won't work for you anymore. You know, stuff like that. I actually had, there was one time that, you know, unfortunately, you know, this show was also in Atlantic City on there. It was actually at a, a casino. It's at the old uh, old Claridge Casino a couple of years ago. This is actually before COVID. So I think it was around like maybe like 2017, 2018, give or take on there. Uh, and there was like two promoters who were actually having disputes with each other you know, as far as like with pay. You know, yeah, shocking, right? The, you know, the promoters disputing with each other on there. 
uh, there was a dispute, and I'm like, oh, who, you know, who got, because there was a bunch of big names on there, because there was a convention before the show, you know, on there, so when we, you have big names on there, well, in the locker room, it was actually, it was actually myself getting, a, you know, across from each other, it was me, Matt Tremont, and Abyss um, on there, um, when he was still, he was actually, this is actually post, uh, post TNA on there, and they were actually wondering, like, hey, where's, you know, where's our money at? Like, all three of us kind of, like, looked at each other. We're like, we're trying to find a promoter. You know, he was somewhere in the casino. I'm like, the, the show was up, you know, up a couple floors where the event center was, and then the convention was still going on downstairs on there. So we're trying to, everybody's going, you know, you know, taking escalators, taking elevators, trying to find out where everybody's at. I'm like, oh, it was just a total, total shit show, you know, on there. I think that's basically like the theme of tonight. It's going to be a shit show <laughs> with these stories. It's <laughs> just going to get bad. I've got this feeling that that there's more exciting things that happen that have nothing to do with the ring. I, I, that's what I feel like this business. Oh is. yeah, there there was apparently there was apparently two because I I eventually got my money. I eventually got my envelope and I left. And apparently, I think I found out that um, that Sue Young was actually, I think, chasing somebody with her uh, with a Singapore cane at the time, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to get her, trying to get her money because apparently she was also she was also promised a hotel room on on top of that too. With with the the Clarence Casino actually has a hotel right above it, uh, also on there. So yeah, yeah, it was oh, it was great. Good night of action. Welcome to the Indies. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the Atlantic City, Indies, God forbid. <laughs> well, Nick, if it makes you feel any better, next week's show is probably going to be a shit show as well. It's oh. not just this week. It'll be next week, too. Guaranteed. <laughs> Building I up can't to wait it. for the yeah. topics. <laughs> that's a theme we're going to have. Um, that's insane. That, oh, yeah. You know, it's... All these things. Ha- so at, at what point, uh, this is for either one of you guys, was there ever a moment when you said to yourself, and I'm, I'm probably sure there were, what am I doing? Like, I love wrestling, but holy crap. Was there ever a moment, Jim, that you said to yourself, I don't know if this is everything that I signed up for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there, was, there was the week before Barely Legal. There was um, a huge argument uh, between um, people who were remain nameless, but, but names... Uh, talents on the the, sh- the show there and on the pay-per-view that had it almost got into a fist fight got pulled apart and Paul grabbed everybody and pulled them out pulled everybody I mean everybody was still there so I got us all out on the bleachers of the building and gave us a talking to and when I got back to the hotel I was like I don't think we're going to make it to the pay-per-view. I think I think somebody's going to kill somebody before that happens. Um, and I, I thought, wow, this is okay. This is the end of it. <laughs> that is uh, that's that's incredible. Um, let me guys, let me ask you guys this kind of uh, on a different note. Um, ever been on a show or ever been on a tour? I should say, um, and you're away from home. Um, any experiences on that when you guys are on the on the road for a tour and you're gone for I don't know 10 days whatever it may be um, what happens if you get a phone call from home or something <laughs> to that nature and either the wife's not happy about X y or Z or something has happened uh, do you have the abilities to uh, 
to finagle and say, hey, listen, I mean, I'm going to get more heat with the wife than I am with, with you for leaving. Um, is that even an option? <laughs> and Tim, feel free to take it out one. You've got more experience there. Wow. Um, there, there was a weekend ECW was in, we were in, in Dover, Delaware, um, Washington, DC and Richmond, Virginia. Richmond was the last show. So we would drive home from obviously from Richmond, which is about four and a half hours, maybe something like that. Yeah. Four or five. And every night there was a problem at home. Um, there's a mouse, (laughs) there's a, there's a mouse in the sink. Um, the toilet doesn't work. So I said, well, what's going on with the toilet? And well, it won't flush. All right. Well, here's what you do. Here are the details fixing the, you know, fixing the toilet, temporarily fixing the toilet until I get home. Right. Um, I just, there was, there was one time I was in Montgomery, Alabama and the phone rang and the, this was before cell phone. So the phone rang in the hotel room at six o'clock in the morning. The car won't start. <laughs> uh, I, I was completely out of it. You know, t- TV the night before until three o'clock in the morning. I said, and I, I just picked up the phone and said, heard, you know, the car won't start. And I, I'll be right there. And, <laughs> and hung up. <laughs> that didn't go over well when I got home. I can imagine. So what kind of car did you buy her when you got home? <laughs> Nick, Nick, let me ask you this question. Um, when things can go wrong, inevitably they will. Uh, any situations that you can recall, you're at work or you're about to go through the curtain and your phone goes off or something is going on and you, you say to yourself, I, I, listen, I have to. I have to do my thing right now. I got to block this out. Uh, anything happened like that? Anything weird or wild or? Not, nothing that I can recall. Like I've had a couple of text messages that I've seen on there. This is actually, I think, recently, maybe towards the beginning of the year. On there, I've actually doing a show, and I look back on there. It was like, hey, the thermostat's not working. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting home. It's like. 1130 at night. I'm like, what? what? I'm like, and then I realized too, I'm like, oh, that's right. It's January. I'm like, it's only going to go down to like 35 at night. It should be a, it should be an interesting evening. I'm like, I'm like, of course all it was too. And like, it was actually a wiring issue with the thermostat. So I'm like, obviously it's something to me, you know, neither one of us could have done, but I'm like, you know, you get, you get random text messages like that, or, you know, it's like, or it, just like there's a random stuff like that. I'm like, it sucks, but that's why you get the repair plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Surpri- surprisingly, they came out the next morning and actually fixed it on there. I was actually pretty impressed on there too. As I'm trying to as I'm trying to call the after hours stuff, it's like, oh yeah, we'll leave them a message and they'll get back to you in the morning. I'm like, well, that's not really after hours help because yeah, they're still helpful. <laughs> they're, you're still coming out in the morning regardless. I'm like. Well, you don't have a twenty four seven guy like you like you advertise. <laughs> yeah, this way to take your phone call, that's an extra eighty bucks. To still send a guy out tomorrow morning. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's an eighty dollar <laughs> phone call. It's like one eight one nine hundred. <laughs> it's a nine seven six number. <laughs> well, I don't know what that is. Oh yeah, it's right here. So. Let me ask you this question. So obviously significant others and whatnot, they know you're in the industry. Jim, your wife does not like the industry. 
Has there ever been any stories or whatnot that have somehow found their way back to home and you've had to answer some questions about, well, I heard that you guys partied and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And has anything ever a story gotten its way back home and you have to somehow uh, answer uh, the uh, answer the, the tough questions? I'm trying to get him divorced, Freeland. Jesus, man. <laughs> well, my wife's in the other room right now on the phone with her sister, so that's fine. Uh, no. the, the only thing was that that ever came back was I'm like, of course, back in my uh, back in my CCW days. You know, this is back when I first started and stuff like that. Um, we used to go to a, we used to go to a strip club most of the time after the after the show and stuff like that. You know, of course, you know, me, me being you know you know you know mid twenties, you know, I got you know, X amount of money I can just, just spend regardless and not have a care in the world. Well, you know, that, that eventually got back here. It's like, oh, I hear you spent, you know, almost about $500. And I'm like, um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there's really no way around that, you know, at all, too, on top of that. And, you know, of course, you know, I was, I was in the locker room known for that, too, on top of that. So, you know, <laughs> that's the best <laughs> That's the best part. I'm like, at least you're, you know, you're a locker room person, you know, in a good, in a good way. You know, you got no heat on you, no, in, in, you know, in regards. Thank God. So, except for that stooge that. Uh, oh yeah, exa- except for that person. You know, that's uh, they're probably not even in the business anymore anyway. When it comes to, I, I, okay, this is kind of off topic here, but I think it kind of rolls with the whole concept of our conversation. You know what? It should be what happens here stays here. Is, is there a certain code? that everybody just knows that everybody just says, Hey, no one's going to implicate anybody. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. You know, is everybody pretty much take care of each other when it comes to, uh, if partying happened or whatever, or anything to that nature. Hey, you know what? We're not going to talk about this. Uh, is there an understanding of that or, uh, maybe not so much. As far as I know, there is. There always there was, especially with ECW. <laughs> there was there was a lot to not talk about. Um, <laughs> but that but should be it, in every workplace. It should be. But that's I'm just sure the way it is. But I'm sure it's the same code with with um, any major major sport, even you know baseball or basketball or hockey, whatever. You know, I'm sure the guys probably. A lot of them go out afterwards, especially the single guys, um, and and have a good time, or or on the road have a good time, stop at a gentleman's club or or something like that. You know, and although there may be, how there may be things in contracts with the league that say you can't do things like that, you can't be seen at this place or that place. Um, but yes, you know, it's a code. Like you know, you don't tell how the tricks are done with a magician. You know, you don't you don't tell how how things get done in wrestling or, or things get celebrated in wrestling. Well, it, it's interesting you you bring up the celebration thing. You you're at a show or you're on tour or whatever. Somebody has a birthday. Uh, is it something that everybody kind of tells everybody, Hey, by the way, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, kayfabe this, we're going to surprise them. Anybody have any, any good birthday stories? Hmm. 
ECW really, we really didn't do a lot of celebration and things like that. Um, uh, uh, there is a, a birthday story. No, I'm sorry, it's not a birthday story, but you, you talked about um, before about family coming home for, for family things. Uh, I had one backfire on me. We were, we were out for a three-day weekend uh, with ECW. Was, and I know it was Memorial Day weekend, and the last show was in West Virginia. And I said, and the people I was with, I said, look, I have to get home Monday mo- by Monday morning for my daughter's softball games. First game of the season, I have to be there. So we drove all night, got home in, in plenty of time, Got actually was able to get, you know, four or five hours sleep. Woke up at nine o'clock in the morning to get ready for the softball game, and it's pouring. The game's canceled. That's, that's the only time it backfired on me. <laughs> that sucks. So, when it comes to maybe a child being born, and and maybe this is not necessarily stories that maybe have affected you, but stories maybe you've heard that have gotten passed down. Is there anything that the the guys and gals will do, you know, if they find out, hey, congratulations, is it, or is that more of just a private thing? I guess in some ways, I've always kind of associated wrestling with a team event, a, t- a team grouping, and that type of thing, where people spend so much time together, they become your second family. Um, so, anything like that? Do you remember ever congratulating people or going out or doing anything like that when uh, you find a child is born? Nothing really on my end or anything like that. We used to always, you know, we keep a lot, a lot of that stuff private in the locker room. It doesn't really get out anywhere. You know, look, there's a couple people that, you know, right now in the Itsua locker room and stuff like that. They have a newborn coming, you know, coming in soon and stuff like that. You know, they've had, you know, people go to the showers or, you know, like, you know, the Facebook, Twitter message, you know, them congratulations and stuff like that. You know, whenever they're booked next, you know, that's, that's a different thing. I'm like with the Indies. I'm like you never. You have such a rotating, rotating uh, roster at times. You know, the, you know, not like what you know Jim dealt with in ECW and stuff like that. You know, he was around all the same people. There are certain there's sometimes I'm like I may not see the same people for like maybe four or five months at a time. You know, just because they're not booked. You know, at the time I'm like they're you know their storyline. You know, they're you know on break or this or that or something like that. So, but yeah, we mostly just keep it private in the locker room and stuff like that. I know, Jim, you had mentioned before the missus is not very fond of the industry. It's not her cup of tea. Um, that might even be putting it lightly. Has there, yes. has there ever been a situation where either, and this goes for either one of you, either your spouses or anybody um, were ever asked to, to be a part of something, a plant in the audience or something like that, um, ever asked anything like that to uh, to be involved in a show? Absolutely not. <laughs> I I had my wife do a pass by. I was actually filming a promo like this on here with the uh, the Zoom cameras that we actually have here, and she it was actually when I was doing a heel a heel ref gimmick on there, and I I actually had her just do a little mini run in with the commissioner on like on doing a promo, but the promo was done at home, you know. So I'm like, you know, I was just she wasn't in the ring or the arena or anything like that, so made it easier. God bless the modern day technology. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, Jim, when it comes to, in a lot of ways, you know, we've talked about how technology has changed a lot of things. Um, do you think in some ways it was completely different world when there was no cell phones and people tried to get a hold of each other, either through calling the hotel or whatnot? 
Um, do you feel like it was it was harder at some points to try to keep in touch with home or whatnot because they had to get through, you know, um, a receptionist or whatever that may be, or they may have missed you when you left the building um, or the hotel. Would you consciously say, hey, you know what, I'm going to call you at this time or that time, or I'm going to check in with the fam at this time? Or was it just, hey, whenever I'm available, I'll try to reach out? No, I, we pretty much had some things set up, um, depending on what my schedule was going to be when I landed. Um, you know, I'll, I'll call you when we get to the restaurant um, after after we land and get the rental car and get on the road to, to the wherever the building is um or i'll call you from the building i go right to the building i'll call you from there um things like that I'll, you know i'll call you tomorrow from the building or i'll call you tomorrow from the restaurant again or whatever um you know i'll, I'll call you um the night before my flight i'll call you after the show from give you my flight information and make sure you pick me up at the airport um you know that that was set up in advance or, or as we went along, I should say, probably. But yeah, that was that was the way here. Here's my, you know, when you call and say, okay, here's my hotel room number. Uh, here's the number of the hotel. Here's my my room number. Um, you know that that's the way we'd communicate. When when you were checking into hotels or whatnot, uh, Jim and, and Nick as well, you hear stories of uh, Hammond used to book um, tickets. Flight tickets, especially for people. I think there was one Ron Simmons, and he gave him a a Jewish name or something or another for somebody who passed away to get a bereavement fare or something to that extent. When he used to say, "Hey, don't laugh. It's true. It so, is true." Mikey told know, okay, the rumor is this is what he did. Okay, when you were booking your your hotels, would you put it under your own name? Or did the other town put it under their own name, or would it be like the aliases that you hear of some people use? I don't want to know your aliases. <laughs> I ain't going to stalk you, boys. I promise you're way too far for me to drive. No, I, I would I would use an alias, and uh, I would tell my wife what it was. It, it may depend on the, the movie that I watched <laughs> recently, or, you know. It, um, a lot of times, and, and I don't know why I can't recall his name, but the the night, the, the lounge singer that Andy Kaufman did. Yes. I would use that a lot <laughs> for, for a fake name. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would, I would use a fake name. Not, not really anybody's looking to knock on the referee's door and hang out, but uh, I would use it just in case, just to get a good night's sleep. Sometimes from the boys. Did oh, you use Brad point. Pitt, Jim? I can see that working well for you if you use Brad Pitt. You guys are very similar. Right. <laughs> Nick, Nick, let me ask you this question. Um, you're you're out there, you're traveling, you're whatnot. Do you also use that same thing? Hey, you know what? I'm just for, for privacy purposes, you put something under another name just so you don't get uh the, the knock on the door at such and such time or whatever it may be. Uh, most of the hotels that you know that I was always at was always just under the company name, uh, and there'd always be a list of just the rooms. I'm like, hey, we got you know rooms like one through fifteen or something like that, but nobody would know who's in what room. So that would always be the fun part too. On top of that, trying to find you know you know 
you know, he or she or something like that. I'm like, ah, what room are they in and stuff like that. You know, now you're at 2 a.m. Now you're knocking on, you know, 15 different doors, you know, waking up the whole damn floor and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was always fun on there. Uh, I want to go back to the story, the, the, the alleged story of, of Paul booking uh, the bereavement flights. Um, I will let it be known that those that actually did happen because I was the one who drove his assistant, Debbie Beaumont, who um, booked all the flights for Paul. And I would get a call and at three o'clock in the morning, we have we have to go to a 24 hour Walmart, get the local newspaper and go through the obituaries. <laughs> and, and, and because because we need to we need to fly Tommy Rich in tomorrow morning <laughs> or, or, or this morning. <laughs> wow, that's gold right there. Pure gold. Because poor, poor Debbie didn't have a, a driver's license. So, um, so I was her, her driver, the, the whole run of ECW and in, in exchange, I would get my, my hood or my, um, my car rental free because it was covered by the, the company for her where the boys would have to rent a car. So I, that's where I saved some money. You were wheeling and dealing, having to, it sounds like everybody cuts their own deal, brother. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 what I want to see is so you book a ticket for Tommy Rich coming from the south and you give him a name like Schwartz, Tommy Schwartz. How the hell is that going when he's checking in for his flight? I don't see it working Hi. well. Hey, I'm here for the Schwartz. <laughs> and, and we can't forget. Oh my God! Do I look like a Rosenthal to you? <laughs> <You're right. laughs> oh my God! All oh, the stories, tremendous. All right, this this goes to uh, another road story. This goes to both of you here. Um, and and in in subsequent episodes, we're going to have more um, segments that are just specifically road stories. But and you don't have to name anybody. Obviously, you can name keep it anonymous here. But is there, is there a group of people? Um, Nick, that you really like to travel with, is there your own? Does in wrestling locker rooms, does everybody kind of have their own crew, their own little man? This is this is this faction, not faction, but like this group of buddies, this group of buddies. Is there like kind of just a a known thing that these guys travel together, these guys travel together, etc.? It, it depends on what promotion you you know you're going to be working for and stuff like that. Um, I know back in the day, you know, if it was uh, CCW Chakar, you know, anything on the Northeast, uh, most of the time, it was always me, uh, Drew Gulak, and, uh, you know, God rest his soul, Lyle Williams, you know, for you know, a long time photographer, you know, in the Philly, New Jersey area. Uh, the three of us would basically would be driving on the shows, you know, we're all, you know, we're all, all over the place, you know, if it was in, you know, Philly, you know, upstate, you know, PA, you know, Northeast, New England run, and stuff like that. Um, that was like my little crew at that time. You know, I would be in charge of doing um, airport uh, pickups for uh, WSU, which was the uh, uh, women's promotion, the sister promotion of uh, CCW at the time. Um, so I would do I would do multiple uh, multiple pickups usually all at once. Uh, at times, I'm like I actually became you know close friends with uh, 
it was at Mia Yim um, on there a couple couple times. I'm like, you know, Leva Bates I've been close with. You know, they're they're probably the two, you know, probably the closest two female, you know, friends I have in the business. You know, still do to to the day. You know, even though Mia's doing her thing on the on the SmackDown, Leva's back on the, uh, you know, Leva's back on the Indies after getting screwed over by a, uh, AEW and stuff like that. Um, no, but yeah, that's that's basically the, you know they're kind of like my clicks, you know, Roy and stuff like that. You know, I you know, I still talk to them to this day. You know, we keep in touch and such. Jim, are there any specific groups of guys that would travel together, or you would say, you know what, man, hey, you know what, let's hop in the car together? That there's a certain connection when you're uh, listening to Bob Seger or Kenny Rogers going down the road. Anybody who is just really fun at being with during travel um when when ecw kind of first started um i I used to travel a lot with shane douglas and and sherry martell uh that was that was a good car um then like i said um i I drove debbie beaumont and uh, a lot of times um because she also handled the ticket booth most of the time, the ticket window, most of the time. So everyone now, now everyone knows that you know, she was that evil ticket lady at the, the front door of the ECW arena. Um, but, um, but I would try drive with her. So, you know, we would get there way before anybody else had to be there in the building. So a lot of times we drove by ourselves, but there, t- but we also had some of the merchandise people with us too. And some, and just incredible. His wife um, did merchandise so um, they would jump in the car with us sometimes. Um, if it's if it was local, I I drive with John Finnegan. In fact, when I do local ECWA shows now, uh, John and I work the shows together, and and we have Joe Zanoli with us. And Joe Zanoli was an original TWA ECW referee um, who who works behind the scenes at ECWA. So we'll ride together. Now, um, when I do most of my sh- the shows that I do now, um, I'm by myself most of the time. Um, did a show. I don't know why I did this one. Um, did a show in um, New York, and it was a three and a half hour drive. And you know, the show was done at, at ten, and by the time you get out of there, it's eleven. And I got home at four o'clock in the morning. Um, that was crazy of me to drive by myself that far, but but I did it. Um, but mo- yeah, most of the time now I drive by myself unless I can find somebody that's on the show going, going that direction. No problem riding with them. So you hear the stories about the different rentals and whatnot. What are you looking for? Are you looking for like a little car that's going to be cheap on gas? Be looking for a van so you can cram six or eight people in. Be looking for like a, a bigger vehicle so you have a little bit of comfort what's what are you aiming for and more importantly why is country music your choice while traveling <laughs> nick stop laughing <laughs> jim that's all you with the country music there <laughs> for, first of all there's there's no country music played in my automobile no no um, the, the person if, if that channel is put on uh, that person is thrown right on out of the car <laughs> yeah you, wow I, I think the the one time that uh, it was me, me and uh, me and Mike Keener were actually going down to uh, MTW down in uh, Hollywood, Maryland. One time, I think he had an endless loop of uh, Jim Cornette podcasts on there, and well, I would have jumped <laughs> eighty miles an hour. 
and, and, and mind you too, on top of that, the, 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 the drive was about, the drive was about three hours going down, going down there too. Cause it's really in the deep, you know, deep Southern area of like Maryland, all the way down by like the Chesapeake, all the way down there. So, oh yeah, that was good. That was good times. I'm like, me and Mike are close and stuff like that. The same, the same thing with me and Jim and all. I'm like, we're, you know, it's, but I'm like, yeah, listen, uh, nonstop Jim Cornette uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you ride in the car with me, you're listening to classic rock, hard rock, heavy metal. Um, when I use, I mean, I was I was a person who was very um, uh, what would you call not set in my ways. I, I had to have certain things done. I had to have a certain amount of. Back in the day, we traveled with CDs. So I'd have a certain yeah. amount of CDs with me. I, I would have four, I would bring eight CDs, four studio albums and four live albums. It, it, it nice. couldn't couldn't be five and three. It had to be four and four. Oh. And and it had to be a Blue Oyster Cult one of each. And then, and then we go from there. Um, and if sorry, if you didn't like Blue Oyster Cult, you ain't riding in my car. <laughs> that's, get, that's getting played some way or somehow. So, so at the risk of getting kicked off the show, I don't know anything blue oyster cult. Sure you do. <laughs> okay, I do. But, but you don't know. But the thing is, you know the song, but you don't know the band. Oh, because you've heard at least one of their songs in, are, are you into horror movies? No. This scared the shit out of me. Okay, well, you, you've probably heard um, Don't Fear the Reaper. Of course. Okay, well, that's Blue Oyster Cult. Okay, fair enough. Um, surprisingly, they have a great song called Godzilla that has never appeared in a Godzilla movie. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but, yeah, but anyway, that, that, I'm listening to hard rock, heavy metal, Black Sabbath, um, Blue Oyster Cult, Deep Purple, Grand Funk Railroad, Thin Lizzy. You know, I could go on with the, the bands that I listen to and all the bands that I mentioned should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That, that aren't. <laughs> I, I believe one story that Jerry was telling me was, and I hope I can share this. He and Brock Lesnar end up going to a uh, a metal show, and uh, I think it surprised the daylights out of him uh, how fluent Jerry was when it came to just knowing all the like. Jerry really enjoys that kind of stuff. We had a conversation one night where it was just all about that stuff. And he, he says when he's in certain towns, he will seek out concerts or other mm -hmm. shows at places and he'll, he'll go to them. Yeah. I have a story like that for blue oyster cult. <laughs> we were in, we were supposed to do Atlanta and the show got canceled, but the tickets couldn't be changed. So we all flew into Atlanta a day early and, um, they were playing a club in Atlanta that night. So I called her. I called the club during the day and, and introduced myself and said I was with ECW and I'm in the promotions department and we lost our building for our show tonight. And Hey, I was really wondering if, if your club would be suitable for, for what we do. Um, can I come down and check the place out? And the guy's like, well, they're, they're setting up for a concert right now. 
tonight. If you want to come down just before the concert starts, you're more than welcome. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went down to the club and got in, got into the club and I looked the place over and I was like, oh, do those lights, are those lights there permanently? And they were like, yeah. And I said, oh, I don't know if we'd be able to work around them with the ring. Maybe we could bring a lower, blah, blah, blah. And um, the guy said, well, if you want to check the place out, you know, you're more than welcome to stay for the concert. And I was like, oh, what's the concert? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes blue oyster cold and i go what? oh that sounds interesting <laughs> what are the odds what are the odds <laughs> and, and i never they never let on and i watched the show for, got into the show for free wow. stood next to the soundboard <laughs> the whole night nice <laughs> good time when uh let me ask you this nick uh so Along with the traveling or whatnot, when you are traveling, is there a place that, man, we got to hit this place up? Are there any restaurants or little dive places that you just, over the years, you've said, God, we got to take you here. So once you get in my car, I hope you like this type of food because this is where we're going. Oh, I do have a waddle or sheets. <laughs> Far none. Okay. That's literally it. I'm Ooh. like, if you can find a random waffle house, you know, like that's always that's always key because you can actually have a you know, you can actually have a meal in like fifteen minutes, you know, and you'll probably have indigestion about forty five, you know, after that too, <laughs> on top of that. So you know, it's that's the worst. But oh yeah, it's always wild or sheets because you know, nowadays, you know, you know, everybody out in the road, I'm like, you know, we live out of we live out of convenience convenience stores. You know, if 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 we actually have enough time you know, and there's actually, you know, there's enough time we can actually sit down and eat something. You know, that's, you know, so be it. But most of the time it's like in, out, go, you know, and done. You know, unfortunately, nowadays. Is Waffle yeah. House like Denny's? Uh, Waffle House is below Denny's. Not even near. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Waffle House is, ba- you know, Waffle House is basically like a dumpster fire compared to Denny's. Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll get heat for that one from now from everybody that listens to this later. So, and the other place is Sheets. Uh, Sheets is basically a Wawa. They're all convenience stores. Sheets is like a Southern Wawa. You know, then you got that, and you got Royal Farms. Um, uh, am I missing any? I know you got if, Bucky's if you, down south. Yeah, Bucky's. If you go to the Midwest, I don't know if it's still there or not. There used to be a, a, a chain called Starvin Marvins that were were hooked up with like Sunoco's or or you know some gas station. I'm learning all kinds of places I never it, heard it, of before. ECW days, we, you know, again, we would, the convenience store, not, not, and we went to places where they didn't have Wawa or Sheets sometimes, so it would be, the, you know, the Lunchable at, at the local yeah. BP station, and and if you were lucky enough to find a Cracker Barrel, that was like a five-star restaurant. In the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now they're popping up all over the place. Al Snow told the story about when he was breaking into the industry, and I could listen to Al talk for free. There's just something about the way he he talks, and he said that they would take a um, oh gosh, I hope I get this right, like a uh, Boy Scout mess kit, and they would take it and they would put food in it, and then they would strap it to uh, the carburetor, and they'd put the hood down, they'd drive around for a while to heat the food up. He said I was that poor in wrestling. Yeah, he said that's how that we seems about right. Hard I time. heard that story and I thought that was hysterical. The, um, there was a time when Al was in ECW with us, and um, Beanie Babies were a big thing at the time. And and he has a uh, child around the same was the same age as my as my daughter, 
and and McDonald's had beanie babies in their in their uh, children's meals in their yep. in whatever they call them the kids meal. So we would pull into McDonald's and and we we weren't traveling together, but we would pull you know individually pull into McDonald's, get a couple of kids meals, and that would be you know the lunch. And when we got to the the building, we would exchange beanie babies for what we were missing. Jesus <laughs> looking at you know and stories of what was going supposedly going on in the locker room um the those people may have been doing that and al and i are in the other corner exchanging beanie babies <laughs> that's awesome um as we're coming to the close for this week uh i'm gonna first pose this one to nick nick you're traveling and in, in your experience of knowing the guys, how many wrestlers could you say are pretty good at fixing a tire or uh, changing a belt in the car or anything to that nature? Is there anybody that stands out that you're like, you know what, if there's car issue, I know somebody. Not one. <laughs> Not one person. So Not one person. Male, so female, travels no. with Mike Freeland, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm guilty too. On top of that, I'm like, I just got triple A for the first time, so you know. <laughs> so what you're saying is, I need to do a road trip down through and teach all you guys how to change a tire. Is that not what me. you're saying? Not, not me. You're well, good, Jim. Yeah, right. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I, I, I failed I, that part. I, I went to Boston one time with one of the merchandise guys, and um, he, he thought, "Oh, there's something wrong with the tire," and, and we were driving through a snowstorm, and I. It's like no, I feel it's. I look it out and I look at it, no, no, it's okay, it's all right. And I was like, what do you, what do you do if if you know what are you going to do? Just pull over and and change the tire if, if there's something wrong with it. He goes, no, I'm going to call AAA. I'm like, weren't you ever shown how to change the tire? No. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I have roadside, but I would still change the tire myself. Just... Well, I, I'm at I'm at the age now where I'm like, no, oh, I'll wait. But but back in the day, I'd be like, "Give me the, give me the bar, and let and let's yeah. change this. Here, let me show you how to change a tire, for Christ's sake." <laughs> oh my! I remember we did an interview, and I'm trying to remember the name of the person right now. But they said that they were heading to a wrestling show, and something had happened, and they'd clipped a deer, and evidently <laughs> the deer ended up dying. Rest in peace. But uh, they had a pickup truck, so they actually took the deer. Threw it in the back of the pickup, threw a tarp over it. They went ahead, did the wrestling show, then they field dressed it in the parking lot after everybody left. So oh. you can't make this stuff up. Look, I don't see ask, the issue here, Mike. Let me ask you this, Nick. You. Let, me, let me ask Nick this one because oh. Nick's, Nick's a, a traveler. Yeah. Uh, without GPS, could you get to where you're going? Can you read a map? Uh, uh, no, I was actually, I grew up in the age of uh, MapQuest. Well, on there. But, but if on, you didn't have GPS or Rand McNally, or anything, would you be able to read a map? Uh, probably not. I even <laughs> depend on, you know, probably, you know, we depend on, you know, your Garmin's or your Tom Toms, you know, back in the day or your Magellan's, <laughs> you know, but a, back in the day, that was the big thing. The, the first weekend in January, when you're on the road, you get the new Atlas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the local truck stop and get the new Atlas for four ninety nine. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Okay, so, Nick, how old are you? I'm. I just turned forty-two. And, and Jim, if you if you don't mind, I'm sixty-two. 
I mean, I can read a map, and I'm just a touch older than you, Nick. Come on, man. <laughs> you also live in the sticks, though. No, I, hey, I, I, I live I, in a city of 200,000 people now. I grew up in the sticks, but, you know, it's just a map, brother. That's all the head injuries. I've had 13 <laughs> concussions. What are you talking about? That's all the, it's CTE kicks in now, so you know, it's, it's where we, we reach that point of the career. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we will leave it on this one. Uh, Jerry told me a story that uh, he and Jim, you can probably remember this one. He and Lance Storm. I know where were, you're going. Oh, oh my yes, God. I know this one. <laughs> they were headed to a show. Johnstown, PA. Yes. However, they showed up in Johnstown, Ohio. Yes. And they're looking for the building. <laughs> Drive going, we're here. We're here. They're in the middle of a cornfield. Correct. <laughs> and uh, Mikey ended up chiming in like he always does. He said, hey, let me tell you, if you're going to be late, show up super late because they're happy you were just there. But don't show up just slightly late because you'll get your ass reamed. Now, now, see what I was always told. This one was by Brian Lee because he, he had it timed out how to get from his house to the Nashville fairgrounds just before his match. And if you showed up late, like like 10 minutes late from, you know, call time, you would be in trouble. But if you called up, if you showed up 10 minutes just before your match, they loved, they were happy you were there. Amen. <laughs> so many. I show up for work. I just get in shit. Plain and simple. I just get yelled at by the general manager. That's why you just got to work for yourself like I do. I have your own company. You, you hiring, Jim? No. <laughs> Jesus, I don't, was, I don't want any employees. That was That's fast. One. Even a one man it. operation, right? One man operation. I don't need the aggravation of anybody. <laughs> I've got my own problems. It's, I uh, worry about everybody else's. It has been so much fun going up and down the roads here in episode two, talking about what it's like to be on the road, um, birthdays, holidays, significant others. What happened? What were some good restaurants? And what's it like to get lost? Guys, if you're enjoying this, please continue to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can find us anywhere. Find podcasts are made available. iTunes, Spotify. Uh, I used to say Stitcher, but I guess that's no longer a thing. Uh, look up the Front Row Material podcast. Again, this is Front Row Referee. It is now a portion of our show. Um, guys, this has been so much fun uh, hearing your different stories. Let's go ahead and go to the plugs here. So, Nick, give me the plugs. Uh, where can people reach out to you for... Just about anything, social media, bookings, all that kind of stuff, where you're going to appear, give them the details. Uh, bookings, well, you can actually reach me at, uh, on uh, Twitter slash X, whatever you call it now, uh, at, um, at Ref Nick Papa G on there, uh, Facebook.com slash Nick Papa Giorgio. You can, um, every, basically every, every Monday, uh, IWTV Live, 8 p.m., uh, is the uh, Itsuo uh, Undiscovered, uh, Uncharted Territory, excuse me, on there. Um, from uh, Williamstown, New Jersey, if you guys are local to the area, you know, tickets are only 10 bucks every Monday night on there, or if not, you know, subscribe to uh, IWTV Live. Perfect. Jim, the details, where and when and how can people get a hold of you, seminars, conventions, uh, pop culture events, refereeing gigs, you name it. Yeah, if you want to book me for any of that stuff, you can get a hold of me um, through Twitter. It's it's Jim Molino, all one one word. Uh, through Twitter, um, same for uh, Facebook, um, and and the, the links are there. Whether where to get me through email, 
Um, and appearances, I, this weekend I'm back on the road uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be Friday night being West Milford, New Jersey for the uh, ISPW show. And um, Saturday I will be in Dover, Delaware, appearing at the Blue Hen Comic Con doing autographs there uh starting at 10 o'clock in the morning so if you're if you're a delawarean and an ecw they that's what they call them don't laugh delawarean if you're, if I love you're it. a delawarean and you're an ecw fan and you have you know your kendo stick or your bent chair or your your piece of table uh bring it on out and i'll sign it for you that's tremendous um butster where can people find you on social media what's all your details how can people reach out to you if they'd like to uh go ahead and get some woodworking done uh twitter is got new 2291 g-o-t-n-e-w-f 2291 i have a small facebook page for my toy making it's cb79 wooden toy maker uh, yeah, send me a message. Give me a follow. Uh, show coming up this weekend. CFB Kingston. That's uh, a Canadian Forces base. Uh, it's Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. So stop on in to see us if you're in the area. Love to chat with you. And uh, like always, 20% goes back to the military veterans. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, I would be remiss if I did not mention this really quickly, and I know we're going over time here, but uh, we were talking about in in the first part of the show, it's it's hard to believe the 18th anniversary of the passing of Eddie Guerrero. And um, it's hard, you know, when you're a big fan like we are, and obviously you guys are in the industry when, whenever uh, you lose somebody. Um, any thoughts, any memories you guys have of maybe a, a favorite Eddie match or maybe a famous, uh, favorite Eddie interaction, anything like that? Either one of you guys can jump in. Good, Nick. Uh, you know, I never actually interacted with uh, with Eddie at all. My kind of more so my favorite favorite feud was actually going back to uh, uh, Eddie and uh, JBL. Actually, there's some some good vignettes that you know that are that people do forget about. You know that are that you know that we're on SmackDown. You know stuff that you 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 can't get away with nowadays. You know the way society is. That's for sure. You know the whole <laughs> the whole show would get canceled in that aspect, but. Yeah, that's that's one of my fun, you know, fun ones from at least in WWE aspect. And Eddie obviously was uh, he spent some time in, in ECW as well. Um, I feel like a lot of people went through ECW as well. Any favorite moments, interactions, matches, Jim, that you have uh, of Eddie Guerrero or memories? Uh, absolutely, whatever matches I was able to do uh, between him and Dean Malenko, and you guys talked about against the matches with JBL. I. I I'm prejudiced because I got to work a, a lot of the, the matches against uh, Dean Malenko. And uh, I, I dare you to go back and watch him and say, well, Jim's right. <laughs> um, because I think so, they were some of the best matches in ECW's history. Uh, top three matches uh, in my book uh, that I was able to be a part of. Uh, pick any one of them. I, I did a handful of them. Uh, can't tell you where they all were, but uh, I tell you, or tell you which one was better than the other, uh, because they they were all great. Uh, you count the ones John worked. John and I split them. One day I would do it, next day he would do it. We'd go back and forth. Um, so yeah, go go back and watch those matches if you've never seen them. Uh, incredible. There was a match I want to say 94, 94, 95, Hostile City Showdown. 
um, which actually made the Sportsters list uh, is the, the top 10 Eddie Guerrero matches, and it was right up top there. Uh, but you're right, he and Dean Malenko. A really great thing about what ECW did was they had a little bit of everything. They right. had comedy. They had some violence. They had stuff that would appeal, you know, the, the ladies walking around, um, the technical stuff, the Lucha Libre stuff. I mean, it was just uh, – that's a good show. Would you guys both agree? When a show can put on – a lot of different things. Um, I know, Nick, you were talking with, with Chikara as well. I mean, you would have uh, Colt Cabana. He would have his thing, and you would also have uh, Orange Cassidy and doing his thing as well. So there's a little bit of everything for people when it comes to wrestling. All right, guys, it has been fun. Thank you so very much. Once again, Jim Molyneux and Nick Papaji. Butster, it's been great, as always, hanging out with you, my friend. Uh, did you go through all the drinks that your wife brought in? Yep. She only brought me six. She only brought you six. There's little baby cans and no bigger than my hand. Oh my gosh, I love it. You know what? If I called Mikey right now, I guarantee he's making chicken. Come on. If the beer's no bigger than your hand, there's an issue here. Holy cow. Jim, what's the beverage of choice tonight? Um, You'll love this because it looks like beer. It's it's a green tea mix. Ooh. <laughs> Look at that! After the, after, sorry, after the heart attack, I had to give up drinking. No, I don't blame you. It's a one of these things is not like the other, Jim. Right. <laughs> Guys, it has been great. Thank you so much for tuning in. And catch you next week when we'll have another bevy of questions for our freeze. For Jim Molyneux, Nick Papa G, the Butster, I'm Mike Freeland. We'll catch you next time on the Front Row Material and Front Row Referee.